Praise the Lord, everybody. In the storm, we will triumph. Ain't no thunder gonna stop us. So yeah, what's up, guys? How's everybody feeling? Everybody feeling good today? It's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be in the house of God. Last week, if you missed it, maybe you caught it online, we were talking about altitude. And so I thought it'd be fitting to go to my son's birthday party since I am his dad anyway, right? I gotta go. We went to Altitude Trampoline Place. And I thought, I'm gonna jump this time. I can do it, I'm not that old. That's not gonna make me that sore. So I did a front flip off the high trampoline to the low trampoline into the ball pit. It turned to be in a one and a half. I went face first because I overcompensated out of fear that I would undercompensate. It's better to overgive than to undergive, even when you're flipping amongst five-year-olds. And this little kid, Cameron, he said, you think I can do this flip? He's talking about him. I said, I don't know. He goes, you're going to pay me $100 million if I do this flip. It was a stranger. It wasn't a kid I even knew. He said, $100 million. I said, I don't got that kind of money, brother. But he did the flip, and then he was, for the next 30 minutes, he said, you owe me that money. I'm like, listen, little man. I was trying to be nice, but you're going to get pushy. I'm just going to walk away. So I did the flip, and then, of course, they got the rock climbing wall, but this place don't like to give you shoes. You go barefoot or with socks. And I don't know if you've ever done a rock climbing wall. I used to in my youth, but they're kind of, you know, they're not easy on the feet. They're jagged. And so I climbed it. It was no big deal, but my feet have been bruised and in pain ever since. And then I woke up this morning like I had been in a, a tough mudder. If I had ever been in one, I imagine this is what it would feel like because of a simple flip in the foam pit and rock climb wall with socks. But I was testing my altitude. That's what it was really about. It was a spiritual growth for me. But you know, St. Louis has got trampoline parks. They got cool things like landmarks. And one thing that was always really weird to me was the arch. You know, people say, hey, where are you from? I'm from St. Louis. Oh, you guys got the arch. And I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, we got, the, we got it, yeah. But growing up, I lived here my whole life, and I thought, it's kind of weird when you think about it. It's this big old thing. It doesn't really serve a purpose. It looks like maybe it could be a cool slide if you had access up there. And I think when I was a kid, not to be grotesque, but I think a dude tried to parachute and didn't have any luck trying to land on it. I think that ended poorly. So we don't want to parachute on the on the arch, but by the time I was 22, I finally made my way down to the riverfront with my brother and some family, and I was actually gonna go on the arch for the first time because I never, I never wanted to partake in it because it was just weird to me. It was this big, useless thing that served no purpose. It's, you know, it's, they say it's like the gateway to, to the West. You know, the 49, I think it was 49 gold rush in California. 49ers football team, see, it ties together. And they went through St. Louis to get to California. So they, they nicknamed St. Louis the gateway to the West. It's like the one thing I remember from elementary school, that in recess. And, and the arch I remember was the gateway, the symbol of the gateway to the West. And I'm thinking, that's, that's cool. Like the Wild West, what, what is that? I don't know, it was John Wayne, guns, that's cool. I like, I like playing guns, when I, you know, cap guns. And, it was weird, you know, it didn't serve a purpose. And then you get in the thing and you're getting this egg. Has anybody been in the arch? Everyone pretty much. Was anyone uh, 22 or older, if they're from St. Louis, by the time they went in the arch, or am I the only late duckling to get in the egg? 
I'm the only one. That's, I'm used to being the only one. I'm used to being the oddball in the bunch. That's cool with me. But, but it was weird. You get in this egg and you're like, you're at this angle and then you're going up this rickety thing to the top and then they put some windows in the top and oh, there's some windows in it. Okay, let's build this weird metal thing with some windows in it. And then you get up there and it's like, the wind's blowing and it's kind of rocking and it's creepy. And I'm just going, why, why would anybody want to go up in this thing? It, it's just, it's weird. But you know, there was more to the arch than what I thought. It, it, it represented something deeper. It was the gateway to the West. Whoever built the arch had some real sentiment behind it. There was a reason they would spend millions of dollars. Even back in those days, it was still probably millions of dollars. I don't know how much it was back then, but it was a lot, I'm sure. And there was a reason more than what met the eye. And so when I grew older, I appreciated more because I understood that it was more than just what looked weird to me. It was There was depth to it. There was sentiment to it. There was real sweat equity put into this thing to symbolic, symbolize something in our History, but from the eye, it was just weird. It's kind of like worship. If you've never been to church and you see someone, when we think of the word worship, we have different terms for what, we have different definitions of what worship is. You know, when I think of worship, I think of praising God. When some people think of worship, they think of that group of people on the stage at a church that sing the songs. Some people hear worship, they think, oh, that's what we do at church, we sing songs. Some people worship, they think it's demonic, weird, and why would you ever outwardly express any type of joy for a God over the St. Louis Cardinals? I don't know, that's weird. Why would we do that? Why would we be so joyful for a God we can't see, we can't touch, we can't feel? Well, we can feel it. But, some, but if you've never felt it, it would just be weird to you when you see someone doing this. You know, the reason we, it took, it took me a long time. I, I grew up in churches where there was praise and worship, but I didn't worship because it was weird, just like the arch. I said, I I said I'm not doing that. I don't want to look like that. I was cool. I was trying to look cool, you know. And I didn't understand that this was submitting and that when I eventually did this, my heart followed. So it's a sign of submission. It's not just symbolism. It actually clears our minds. And as we fully submit to God, that's when he's able to move. That's why I worship is so important. That's why worship happens before the sermon, because the idea is when we worship, we open our hearts fully to God, ready to receive his word. So that's why we worship. And, and like I said, for a long time, it was just weird to me. And it, it's okay. There's no right and wrong way to worship. This sermon is not about how to worship. This sermon is about what worship is, and that it's much bigger than just what you see us doing up here to a couple songs on Sunday. That's just the tip of the iceberg. And people who've never seen it, it's like the arch. It's, it's weird. They, they do what? That's, that's weird. But worship is more than singing songs about Jesus on Sundays. It's the way we praise our God, give thanks for what he's done, and celebrate who he is through the praise and adoration of our Lord Jesus, we destroy the enemy's ability to put distance between us and God. We close the gap with our worship. Worship also demonstrates an obedience to the Lord, declaring that he is the supreme source of our livelihood. 
fully submitting in worship is how we open the channel of communication between us and God, transforming our pain into joy, confusion into focus, and weakness into strength. You guys with me? I want to go to the 95th song, or the Bible calls it psalm. Really? That's a song? Yeah. Yeah, there's songs. See, the Bible talks about praise and worship. Psalm 9511, Song 95, in the collection of David, the harpist and mighty king who slew Goliath with a slingshot when he was just a little boy who probably wasn't qualified, but he liked worship. We look at verse 1 through 11. And by the way, if this is your first time visiting us, this is a special message. This is not like all the messages. And part of my job as a shepherd is to give you meat, whether you want to hear it or not. I made a deal with God that I would give you what I believed he wanted me to share. And if you hate me for it, at least I know I gave you my honest heart and gave the word and didn't compromise the word. Psalm 95, 1 through 11. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms, song, praise and worship. Let us do it joyfully, thankfully, for the Lord is the great God and great king above all those other so-called pagan gods. There's only one God. In his hand are the deepest places of the earth. The heights, in hill, the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands form the dry land like clay. He did everything. He has no counselor. He has no beginning. The alpha and omega, he did everything that we have. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. He made us. Whoa, that's deep. For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial, like those Israelites in the wilderness. The title of this message is Gateway for Change. Gateway for Change, like the gateway to the West. This is the gateway for change. How many know that what's weird to the world is often sacred to God. And through our worship, what's sacred to God will become sacred to us. But it starts with praise. That's, that's the first thing we see through our worship. There's a gateway for praise. Worship opens up the channel for praise. It opens up the channel at church. It opens up the channel when we come together and sing songs. I mean, you, have you ever been to a concert where everybody's singing the words together and the singer just stops? Like John Mayer, you know, I thought that'd be a perfect example. 
Not really, but it's awesome. He, um, why Georgia? I am turning. Why Georgia? Why? I mean, it's just an awesome song from, you know, early 2000s. And the arena just sits there and sings it. And he just is like, I'm getting paid. He's not even singing. And there's something special when we unify our voices as one and shout joyful words. And that's just, that's just a, a carnal, secular joy. This is a spiritual joy. So when we do it in the name of the Lord, it goes to new levels. It opens up the gates of heaven for the angels to pour in to this place. We went to Hillsong. I've been to a lot of Christian concerts. But have you ever been to Hillsong? It's not a concert. It's a worship experience. And I was touched by it and blown away. And even there, I'm like, I'm not raising my hands. This was not that long ago. It takes me a while to warm up in a place. It's not like here where I feel comfortable because we're like family. But this is among strangers. And so you would never know this is me in a Hillsong concert because I'm, just, I'm doing just like I did when I was a kid. I'm, I'm kind of hard at first. And they're all singing the entire set list. I am not exaggerating. The entire set list, the entire audience saying all the words, hands up, moving. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know all these words. I, I don't worship like this. It, it was humbling to me because the power of God was so thick. You could cut it with a knife. If you've never seen Hillsong Worship, I highly encourage it, and you will see a move of God like never before. They are anointed. Amazing Grace. There's something touching about Amazing Grace. You know, my dad loves Amazing Grace. That's what we call a hymn. It's public domain. You don't have to worry about copyright because it's, it's so old, it's public domain. Bringing back the, the Belmont days when I had to study music business copyright law. It's great. Put you to sleep. But Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I know the words really good, <laughs> but you get the point. When you hear that in unification, there's power. There's power because worship and song is a language. When I was a kid, I wanted to be Janet Jackson. Five, four, three, two, one. We are a part of the rhythm nation. Hey, hey. It takes confidence to do that up here, okay? Come on now. And then I migrated, thank you very much. Then I migrated to Michael and to Billie Jean, and I had, I was the, I've, I've talked about this, I was the chubby kid, and I had the old man hat, and I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be Michael on Motown 25. Why? Because when he whipped out the moonwalk, he changed through his song the, 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 the persona of music forever. See, he communicated something new that they had never heard and he changed it through song so at an early age like nine years old I realized the power in music is life changing you know when you've heard that song it reminds you of that special time maybe it's uh, a good time when you got married maybe it's when you were in school because that music spoke to you it resonated to you it's a language and so music is a gateway sound is a gateway God uses sound as a gateway to communicate everything it's a pattern oh it's a pattern let me tell you but worship is a gateway for praise which opens our heart 
He uses sound to communicate. What we hear shapes our heart. We talk about the seed and what we hear becomes what we plant. We want to plant good seed. We got to receive good seed. How we hear it is how we speak it. What we hear is what we will speak, good and bad. How we hear determines the fruit we bear. What we choose to let in is what we learn to listen for. So when I was like 15, you know, I was, it was, I was all about Janet Michael, R&B. That's it. Like nothing else. And one day in my dad's pearl yellow 300ZX back in the 90s, he whips out a Stevie Ray Vaughan cassette tape. Anybody know who's SRV? Come on now. He's just the best ever. Anybody that knows me well knows that any online alias I've ever owned is SRV Man. I kind of like him. Sorry, Jimmy, if you're a Jimmy fan. I won't go there. He's better than Jimi Hendrix. No comparison. I wasn't supposed to say that. It just comes out of me because it's the truth. Anyway, Stevie Ray had a distinct sound. Unless you knew what Texas blues sounded like over Chicago blues, over pop music, you wouldn't know it was Stevie Ray. But when you start learning how he bends those notes, what gauge guitar string he's using. 11, no, he used 13s until his hands got so tore up and he was on drugs, he could, he could do that. He went down to 11s later in his career because 11s were actually feasible to play. 13s are like playing a heavy acoustic string on electric guitar and his fingers would bleed because it was crazy, but he wanted that tone. And you could recognize that tone that Stevie had and the way, like it's, it's a specific tone. And once you hear it, I can pick it out of a crowd. You could give me 10 guitar players and I could say, that's Stevie, the others aren't. Because I studied what he sounded like. I recognized the sound he produced and it led to me studying other things. They call it ear training. You, you, I studied the production of, of bands and the production of the arrangements and I was really into Babyface and he would have all these background vocals and I just thought it was so cool and I'd sit in my car trying to dissect all the things he had going. He'd have like 15, 20 background vocal parts. It was crazy. They call them vocal stacks. But through studying what I'm hearing, trying to recognize what the sound was, I learned to pick it out of a crowd. It's like when your mom or dad calls you. You know the sound of your parents' voice because you learned it. But it's hard to explain or understand something you've never heard for yourself. And worship is a gateway to open up the doors so you can start hearing God through praise. It's more than just a song that goes on at church. God loves our hear our praise through worship in our prayer, in our everyday life, in our car. We whip out Alexa all the time. I don't really watch TV. And we turn on Alexa in the kitchen and going down to the river. And little Kaylee's in there. She just, she's just gone, man. We praise everywhere. We praise in the car ride to the lake. We praise in the kitchen. We praise at church. But there was a time where if you said, that's what you do, i say, you're weird. It wasn't an overnight thing for me. Something happened to me. Something changed in me. I saw the worship doing things to me. 
Worship glorifies God, but also opens our heart to receive his goodness. Worship takes us into a deeper relationship with God. I imagine that's what it sounded like when he hung on the cross. That thunder. But it's more than just for praise. Worship is a way for protection. It's a gateway for protection. If you can worship in the worst situations, that's the best thing you can use towards the enemy who's trying to do what? Put distance between you and God. And when you're strong in worship, your ability against the attackers to defend is at an all-time high. And people will mistake your kindness for weakness. But let me tell you, there was a day when I could verbalize a lot of tough words, but now I verbalize with my worship, and I'm way more tougher for it. I'm way more confident for you. It's definitely not a weakness. If you are strong in the Lord, you are not weak because the world is against you. So when you stand up in the name of Jesus, you can't get any stronger because you've got the Spirit of God who is your strength flowing through you. Kill him with kindness. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be the children of God, the sons and daughters of God. It's true. You want to hurt the devil? Start praising. Devil got your job. Devil got your marriage. Devil got your money. Devil got it all. Start praising. I don't care, devil. I can't tell you how many times I've gone in my closet in my house that I live in now, and I rebuked the devil from my house because I could see he was, he was tainting my atmosphere, and we were starting to get in the same tiffs in the same part of the house, and we get in the same issues the same time of day, and the kids would irritate me the same way at this time of day when I got this type of email, and it was on and on, and and that's, that's what he wants. He wants to feed on that. We started start breaking ourselves down. So I had to go in there. I said, get out of my house, devil. I rebuke you. Stand behind me, Satan, like he told Peter. You got to do it sometimes. But it's weird. It does look weird. That's why I go in my closet. But just because it's weird don't mean I don't believe that it's necessary. Because I take action for something I think is necessary. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't take action. When you are faithful, your belief takes action. Man, if I had a dollar for every time, <laughs> I rebuked the devil out of my house. But that's what you got to do. You got to stay close. If he puts distance between you and God, that's when you become vulnerable. And worship is a way to take you right back there. No matter how bad it gets, you just start worshiping. Start singing that song you know. You don't know what to pray? Start singing, singing a song you like, Christian song. Just sing Jesus. Just, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It doesn't matter. Call on the name. Make up a worship, and it will draw him near. My worship is my weapon against Satan, but I give it all to God. He's my line of defense. And what's weird to the world is often sacred to God. So through my worship, what's sacred to God will be sacred to me. I can beat stress through my worship. I can release all my problems to God and take the pressure off, like getting into ministry. I said, oh, my God, what are you thinking, Jeff? I said, I, I could give it to God. Oh, that'd be easier. Man, it's so much easier. Give it to God. I don't know what I'm going to say each week. I said, God, you tell me. I don't know. I can't play with people's hearts. Tell me, Lord, and I will do it. 
We defend the throne against the enemy by our ability to surrender to the king. It's kind of contradictive, right? You have to surrender to defeat. When you surrender to the king, that's when his strength takes over and you defeat the devil. It's like Chris Tomlin. Tomlin. We raise our white flag. The war is over. What's he talking about? Jesus has won. We've, we've surrendered to the king, and now his power reigns, and the devil can't touch us. It's like the apostle Stephen. Stephen, we're going to talk about Saul soon, who later became Paul. But before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul, and Saul was a, a jerk. He was more than a jerk. He was a murderer. He hated Christians. And he was in charge of uh, getting Stephen executed. And I'll never, I'll never forget Vic, Vic Votaw telling me this sermon once in church. And he simulated Stephen. Stephen got stoned to death. If, in case you want to know what that is, where they throw rocks at you until you die. And as he's getting hit with the stones, he's worshiping as he's dying. As he's hitting the ground, he's getting pelted in the head with rocks, bleeding. I mean, it's a gory thing. And he still chose to worship because he knew he would stay close to God till the end of this life because he knew where he was going. It didn't matter. Devil wants to hurt you. The moment you glorify God to shout out, thank you, Jesus. I don't care if my boss treats me that way because I got the Lord. The, bo the boss can't touch what the Lord has for me. It's true. It's true. And the devil wants to stop you from worship because that's when you go to the next level. So worship is a gateway for praise. Worship is a gateway for protection. But most importantly, worship is a gateway for intercession. Worship is in my prayer. It's in my prayer when no one's looking. It's when I'm crying out to God and I don't know what to say. The Bible said the Spirit will make an intercession for my infirmities when I know not what ought I should pray. In order for God to move, there must be worship. We must allow him to move, though. Takes action. Through worship and prayer, God will reveal himself to you. Romans 8:26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, or King James calls it infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. It's kind of weird. Hey, it was weird when Jesus rose from the grave, wasn't it? It was weird when he defeated hell, wasn't it? But we still believe it because it's the word. God uses our mouth to signify great things. That's the pattern. Why our mouth? Because of sound. Just like in our worship, sound. He spoke the world into existence. Sound is the language of God. It is how he channels. It is the gateway and our worship channels the gateway for intercession. I wrote this five weeks ago, okay? And God, there was something heavy in the sermon. And I just said, God, God wants me to share what the old schoolers call my testimony. He said, you said you do what I tell you. I said, yes, Lord. Hate me or not, he said, 
You do my word and I'll give the increase. I said, I know you will, Lord. When I was 25 years old, I grew up in church. I was in and out. I was what you call backslider. I did all the stuff sinners do. I was in and out of church. I knew all the right things to say. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Praise the Lord. I could play that game too. But I was on the buddy system with Jesus. I thought he was my God, but he was more like my buddy. I didn't know that he was on the buddy system with me until I really had to hit rock bottom. And by the time I was 25, I was not only making mistakes, bad ones, but my lifestyle was changing. I was doing things that I promised my mother I would never do, thankful to the music career. I was turning into the statistic. And there came a point where I had, I had gotten to this point where I just couldn't, I was broken down. And I think it was my dad. He said, just go, just go down in your room, turn on some music. It was CeCe Winans. Yeah, little white dude, listen to CeCe Winans, because she's good, let me tell you. Holy Spirit comes to this place. There is a sweet anointing in a sanctuary. Listen to her, you'll feel God. Her and, uh, oh, I forgot her name, Kathy. Martha Menenzi, she's awesome too. So I go down in my room, and I start praying, and I am so heavy with shame, I don't have no words. You know when you get so bad, you don't even want to say you're sorry to God because you feel so sick that you did it again? And he said, Lord, how can I even ask for forgiveness for this? But I did it again, and I did it intentionally. And I got on my knees, and I just started weeping. And I was listening to, you know, there is a Holy Spirit come through this place. There was, there was several she had that just opened the channel, opened, it was the gateway as I began to pray. And I'm not a naive guy, okay? I don't buy into that weird stuff. The arch is just a piece of metal. There's no nothing behind it. It takes a lot to convince me of truth. I can't tell you how many arguments I've had with my dad since I was a kid about stuff because I had to fight for it to really understand it before I would agree because I just didn't want to agree just to do so because that's what my parents did. And I was on my hands and knees singing and I, I was weeping so hard because this is, this is the part that I can't give to you. This is the part that you have to feel for yourself. And I remember after all those years, I still knew that something was wrong. And I saw Jesus hanging on the cross right in front of me, suffering. And the shame I had was so overwhelming. I just couldn't help but weep, thinking, why would he do this? Why would he die for me? Really, me? Not, not this figurative, he died for the world. He loved, his, so, God so loved the world. No, he loved Jeff so much that he suffered and was hanging there on nails, being beaten and bleeding with the thorns in his head. And I just was so full of shame. And then I started trembling, man. I'm telling you, trembling, like shaking, like head to toe. I was shaking and kind of, it was weird. And I'm saying, what is going on? I don't know what's going on. Well, I know what this is because I know a little bit of scripture, but that's not what's happening to me because I don't, that stuff's weird. And I don't do the weird stuff. And my mouth started shaking so hard 
It started shaking like out of control. I had the utterance, the, tr- the, the stammering lip, and I didn't know what was going on. And as I tried to speak, I couldn't. It just was like mush. It was what the Bible calls the utterance. It was a groaning. And I recognized that Jesus was trying to make intercession, but I was not letting him. And I remember as a kid, my dad said, when that happens to you, you just cry out to the Lord and you will begin to speak with tongues as God will give you the evidence that he has filled you with his spirit. And I said, this, this, this is that. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. I will pour out my spirit. And I'm sitting on the ground shaking. And this is going through my head. I'm going, no, it can't be me. I'm not good enough. It can't be me. But this is exactly what the Bible says. This is, it's going through my head. I'm fighting it. And I'm, I just can't believe that this is what's happening. And then I don't know, I started glorifying God speaking in tongues. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird, but hey, it's all over the Bible. If you want to talk about it sometime, I'd love to talk about it with you. It's weird, but it's in the Bible, and it's not a dead thing. There's no scripture that says this scripture expires on such and such date. It is the new covenant, and the new covenant never expires until Jesus comes back again and takes us to his throne with him. Are you with me? It's a gateway for intercession. I got more. Can I give you more? Isaiah 28, 11, the prophet, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. John chapter 7, verse 38 through 39, Jesus said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, or out of his belly, the KJV says for you old schoolers. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not been yet glorified. You see, this is how God created the follower. This is how he became, he put his body into your body when your spirits become one. So it couldn't happen until the 50th day, which is actually today, the day of Pentecost, it couldn't happen until the 50th day when a mighty rushing wind came and it fell upon the people and they had first received the outpouring of his spirit. And now they became one. There's more scripture. I can't give it to you all, but I'm telling you, it's everywhere. James chapter three, verse three through five. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn the whole body. He's talking about our mouths and our body, and when he gets our mouth, he gets our whole life. Look also at ships, as they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. If he can control your mouth, he can control your whole life. That is why worship is so important. It is the gateway for intercession to God to start moving through you and truly remo- reveal himself on that mountain we talked about last week. But you gotta, you gotta get in, you gotta get in there with him and tell him, fill me, Lord. It's weird. What's weird to the world? is sacred in here. And through my worship, what's sacred to God will become sacred to me. I remember, this is, you know, this is stuff churches don't talk about anymore. But like I said, I have to give it to you. I was sitting in a restaurant once that I played a gig in, 9 to 11 at night on a weekend. And this experience had just happened to me. 
And my buddy was um, belittling my experience, and it hurt because I said, bro, when have you ever seen me wilt under pressure? When have you ever seen me fall for nonsense? Well, never. I said, I'm telling you with all my heart, this is something I can never explain to you until you feel it. And God did something special in me, as the scripture said. And out of nowhere, this man leans over. It was a pub, okay? People drinking. It was not, it was not where we typically witness or go, maybe. But I was playing a gig. He goes, I've heard about that. I've heard about that tongue thing. I really want to know more about that. I almost fell out of my chair. I thought he was going to get up and run out the place because people think it's weird. But you know what? What's weird to the world is sacred to God. And I never forget that he was touched by that. We were basically having an argument and the guy overheard. When you are filled with his spirit, God will intercede and you will begin to speak with tongues as the initial evidence of how God lets you know he has filled you and you have become a new creation. He told it to John. Go read John chapter 3 after church and look at what he, not to John, I always say this. It's in John. He tells Nicodemus because Nicodemus inquires about being born again and God said, you will hear it. Such as the wind blows is everyone who is born of the spirit. You will hear something. And he was actually foreshadowing to today, which is the Pentecost Sunday. It symbolizes the day of Pentecost, which is what Jesus was foreshadowing to, to Nicodemus. But it, Nicodemus didn't get it. He was thinking carnally. What's weird to the world is what's sacred to God. And through my worship, what is sacred to God will become sacred to me. When, when my first daughter was born, it's a girl, you know, daddy's girl. And you know, you know, if you're a guy, you know what guys think and do as they get older. And I was terrified for her to grow up. I still, I still don't like it. I can't do anything about it. I wish I could just mute her at 11 and skip right to marriage or something. I don't know, but not lose those years in between. And I would pray when she was a little bitty baby, God, please help me do it right so that she knows how to make the decision on her own when I'm not there. That was my biggest fear. And I don't know if you've seen, and this is not tooting my family's horn or anything like that, but there is something so pure. When you see little kids come up on the front row and lift their hands to God, that is touching. God said there is no greater faith than the, the pure faith of a child. If you want to go to heaven, he says, you need faith like them. That's what he says. It's humbling. You know why? Because they don't think it through and logic through. They don't Pharisee it through and say, well, it's got to be X, Y, or Z, or it can't be. God is spiritual. We are sensual. We can't dissect God with our senses because he is a spirit. It's different. In order to discern the spirit, you need his spirit. My worship is the gateway for God to move through me. The power of God can't be wrangled by human comprehension. We are faithful and know his ways are above our ways. And my worship enables me, it's the gateway for change to give God control. My worship is God's masterpiece for he intended 
that his spirit bear life in me and flow through me. And through my worship, I give back that which he has already given me. If you guys could stand to your feet with me. We're excited to have barbecue. See, you come to church, you get the spiritual meat. You go to the barbecue, you get the, the real meat. You think Jesus would have had a pork sandwich? Mm, he was Jewish. I don't know. You know, he was about causing controversy. I think he would have ate the pork sandwich personally just to ruffle some Pharisees' feathers. But some of you are at that point. Jesus is your buddy. Hey, Jay, what's up? Thank you. Thank you, God. Blessings. But he's not your king. He's not the king of your life. There's a difference. I learned it the hard way. And I pray that you guys don't have to learn it like I did. I pray my children don't have to fall so hard like I did in a shameful way. Because it don't have to be that way. It don't have to be that way. When you're at that age, let me tell you, teenage years, that's, that's the window. That's when the devil's going to attack you the hardest. And it don't have to be that way. That if you hold out for God, God will hold out for you. And he'll bring you so much more joy than you ever could imagine. Just because your peers don't understand, the world will think you are weird. But stick with God and the world will follow you in due time. I promise you that. You don't have the answer right now. You just say, not my will. It's your will, God. I don't have the answer. I'm tired of falling, God. I give you the reins. I'm tired of worrying. I give you all. I fully submit. You know, people ask me, like, how do you pray? You know what I do? This is what I tell them. And not a church. I say, I, I tell them what, what I know. I said, go find a quiet spot, turn on some worship music to, to get rid of the distraction and start telling God everything and watch God move right then. It's that simple. The faith of a child. I want to close on this note. Like I said, I'm not, I don't like to over-spiritualize things. But as a new pastor, I pray all the time, God, give me the right message, the right words, and I'm a planner. And this message was written five weeks ago, okay? I don't look at the calendar. I'm too busy. Google just tells me, go do this, go do this, go do this. Or my wife, she's good at that. And five weeks ago, the message started out about worship, and it was, it was heavy, but I felt like it needed more. It needed more. And God was saying, give them more. And I said, okay. I'm not going to withhold it any longer. I'm going to give them more. And today, today is the festival of weeks. It is Pentecost Sunday. And I had no idea, no idea in the name of the Lord that today was Pentecost Sunday. And last night, I'm, I'm looking at Facebook. I know, a good thing to do for someone trying to stay strong in the Lord. And, and what Michelle does is she goes up and watches TV. And I lay in my bed and I watch like sermon clips. Did I just get like enumerated with sermons? And I wake up just feeling so ready to fire. And I saw a thing about it being Pentecost Sunday. So Pentecost Sunday is the 50th day after the Passover or Easter or the day Jesus resurrected. And in the Jewish tradition, the Festival of Weeks, it's a celebration of the new harvest. It's today. 11 o'clock at night. I go, you're telling me I'm preaching on when God filled me with his spirit? Which the day of Pentecost was the day God first filled the people with his spirit freaked me out. 
It's like this God stuff, it's, it's real. He, he, he confirms, I was hesitant because, you know, my carnal self says, you, gotta, you better be cool. People think you weird. And God says, don't worry about it. You give them meat. And when I saw that, he confirmed. And you know what else is funny? It's the festival of weeks. It's a celebration. Church barbecue. We're celebrating after church. That wasn't planned either. I didn't plan it for today. Both things fell on the exact same day as the festival of weeks. The day of Pentecost, the 50th day after Passover. So as a pastor, I took that as, okay, I feel good. This is it, Lord. We're going to close. If you're new here, not all the messages are so intense. This is a good one for your first one. We're going to the barbecue, 1 o'clock, Quail Ridge Park, shelter number 6. If it's raining, so what? There's a roof. Unless there's like a hurricane coming, I'm going to be there with my pork. 14 pounds of pork, 60 hot dogs. I want you guys to come if you're able. We love to fellowship with you. We're going to sing a little bit. If you got a need, and you know, I understand, some of this stuff's weird. You know, keep it to yourself. Just worship where you're at. Worship in your chair if you want, if you desire. Worship in the back. Worship in the front. Worship how you will. Do like this. Do like this. Do like this. Like, there's, there's no right or wrong. Do whatever is going to open up your heart for God to communicate with you. We're going to sing a little bit of resurrecting again, and then we'll be out of here. Lord, as we sing this song, we pray your word was received. This is the truth, Lord, and the truth is passing away. And part of the deal was to preserve your truth into the further generations. And we believe that we are giving truth to the people, Lord. We pray it was received today, that they can carry it, and it will harvest into their hearts and produce new seed and change their life through worship. Touch us, keep the weather good, so we can have our barbecue and celebrate what you've done for us this 50th day after your resurrection. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen.